Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We'll start with your experience witnessing dominance firsthand. And, and, and you said before this game, Niners fans were fair weather fans. Have you changed your mind? Well, I love, Dave, love, love, love the Hawaiian shirt. And any homage to Andy Reid is a good one because he is an awesome guy and an awesome coach. And that's one of many storylines for me that we'll talk about going into the Super Bowl is just that I'm happy either Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan is going to win a Super Bowl. I think they're two of the top three or four or five coaches in the NFL. I think they're both deserving. And they both kind of had well-chronicled failures in Super Bowls. You know, Kyle Shanahan is the offensive coordinator of the Falcons when they were up 28-3. Andy Reid, all the conference championship losses – the Super Bowl loss, man, it would be awesome for Big Red if he could get over the hump. Uh, but yeah, the experience at Levi Stadium last night was awesome. Uh, everything about it, you know, we talked about it last week, Dave. It was my first time ever at that stadium. So I've now been to every single NFL stadium. Although there's two new ones I need to go to <laughs> once the new season starts. The one in Vegas and the new one in L.A. So just when I caught up and went to every stadium, now there's two more I got to add to my list at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later. As far as your question, that place was rocking. That place was awesome. And I got to tell you, Dave, I, I don't, I don't want to say I don't blame them, but if I'm being honest, right, I'm kind of a fair weather fan when it comes to like the Phillies or the Sixers or the Flyers. Like, I don't, you know, I I grew up outside of Philadelphia. I don't really go to their games or follow them that closely unless they're really doing well. And they start to get to the postseason. They go on a run. Then I find myself watching every Sixers playoff game or watching the Phillies or the Flyers when they're really good. I don't go down there to many games, unless they're really good, then I go. So I I don't think they should take that much offense to it. I think those people all still follow the team. They're just not going to pay the money and do the drive and the hassle and everything for a 4-12 and team. And I would say I don't blame them, Dave. And this could be an awesome question, really, for all of our listeners, at Ross Tucker NFL, at Dave Briggs TV, at RDC home and home. I don't blame them, but on the same token, I can name a bunch of cities where the fans would still be there. I mean, Cleveland has proven that. Philadelphia, they'd still be there. You know, there's a lot of cities, Dave, where they'd still go and they would Mm -hmm. just go to boo. They would go to be angry, but they'd still be there. They're not fair weather fans like the Niners are a little bit, but... The flip side of that is that was their 16th conference championship game, dude. I mean, when you've had so much success 
it's probably like, why bother when they're not good? Right. And now they're trying to win their sixth Super Bowl, which, of course, would match the Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers for the most in the NFL in its proud 100 year history. And it's easy to dismiss that fair weather aspect as being a West Coast thing. But I don't think that's the case when you look at the support that the Raiders have received over the recent decades. Those fans are there win or lose our poll question. And you mentioned the Twitter feed, at RDC, home and home. We also strongly urge you to check us out on iTunes. Click the subscribe button. Give us a review. We'd appreciate that as well. Check us out on Spotify. Uh, of course, the radio.com app. Our poll question at RDC, home and home this morning is, which was the most impressive performance on Championship Sunday? And it is really tough to choose from Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs passing game. Although I think you really just have to separate Patrick Mahomes, not necessarily the passing game. I think it's Patrick Mahomes versus Raheem Mostert because the most impressive thing Patrick Mahomes did on Sunday had to be one of the greatest runs in postseason history in the NFL, one that will go down in history, that will be chronicled by NFL films for decades to come came on the ground, the 27 seconds left on the clock, 27 yards rather, 23 seconds left on the clock, or Raheem Mostert. And nothing I like more about sports at any level, high school, college, NFL, than athletes with perseverance. Guys who have failed and guys that have to battle through. Guys that have been down and continue to scrape and fight. There is nothing better about sports than perseverance. And I don't think you can find a better story in the game today in any sport when it comes to perseverance than Raheem Mostert. Consider this guy's story for a moment. Undrafted into the NFL. Cut by seven teams in the NFL. Most guys probably would have hung it up or just acknowledged there's some sort of practice squad, special teams, kick around kind of guy. That was not the case with Raheem Mostert. He continued to battle through in his career leading up to this season. That's with four complete NFL seasons. Raheem Mostert had basically matched what he did yesterday. 297 career rushing yards, one touchdown coming into this year when he was fourth on the depth chart. And then he goes for 220 yesterday and four touchdowns, the first running back in NFL history to accomplish that feat. The most impressive single game by a running back in NFL postseason or regular season history you could honestly make an argument for. Ross, how in the world do you explain Raheem Mostert cut by seven teams, fourth on the depth chart, kicked around from squad to squad, doing what he did to that Green Bay defense yesterday? Well, there's a few ways to explain it. Number one is Kyle Shanahan. It is unbelievable. And Dave, you witnessed this firsthand growing up in Denver as the Broncos. It started with Terrell Davis. But after that, they put a bunch of guys in at running back that were really just guys. Olandis Gary. Mike Anderson, and those guys went off and had huge seasons. It's funny because 
I even asked Mike Shanahan last night, I interviewed him after he got off the stage. And I said, you know, not only did, is your son going to the Super Bowl, but did he pay homage to you with how well he was able to run the ball with an undrafted guy that's been cut by a bunch of teams? And he laughed and said, no, I don't think that's what it was about. But kudos to Kyle Shanahan and really the running backs coach and the personnel department for the Niners. You know, we know about Tevin Coleman. He was a sort of a known quantity. They paid up for him. But these other guys, Matt Breida, nobody really wanted him. Raheem Mostert, nobody really wanted him. They have an unbelievable eye for talent at that position and guys that will fit their system. I mean, really, we're at the point now where, can you imagine if we had a team where the Steelers were the ones drafting the receivers, Kyle Shanahan was picking the running backs? I mean, if we could combine the best of these different teams, you would have like a super team in the NFL. But it is this uh, contrasting styles um, that we saw on display on Sunday. And I want to get back to that point you made about Mike Shanahan and that system that turned down thousand-yard backs regardless of who they were, what their background was, which makes me ask, is it Raheem Mostert? Or is it that system, that offensive line, Kyle Shanahan? Do you think... Look, just look at the numbers. 224 touchdowns, never done in NFL history. The only game you can really compare to it is an Eric Dickerson, who is a Hall of Famer, one of the greats of all time. Is it Raheem Mostert, or is it simply a system that is perfect, the offensive line, and Kyle Shanahan? So, as always, it's a combination of both, but I think you got to really lean heavily toward Shanahan in that system. Because we've yeah. just seen it so many times. I mean, Mostert had an unbelievable pro day. He's clearly a terrific athlete. We saw earlier this year the next-gen stats. Matt Breida was, I think, the fastest carrier of the ball the whole year on one of his runs. So they know how to get guys with some serious juice and some serious speed. And listening to Kyle talk at halftime, he said the guys are doing a good job of blocking for him, and he is hitting it. And he was. I mean, it was like he was shot out of a cannon. I'm so happy for him, Dave, because people don't look at it this way. But he's basically now locked in a couple years as an NFL player. You know, I mean, and, and maybe he ends up being a star, maybe not. But at least for the next few years, he's going to get paid and be an NFL player because he's proven he can do it now at a really high level in an important game. Will some people say it's primarily Shanahan and the O-line scheme and the, mm. and the blocking? Of course, but he still deserves it anyway because he earned some of those yards as well, making guys miss, showing the speed. I just don't know, and I tweeted this, Dave, during the game at yeah. Ross Tucker, and I don't know if I've ever seen a game like that. I mean, that was like a high school game. The Packers seemed utterly powerless to stop the Niners run game. I mean, it was almost embarrassing for the Packers defense. Now, out of nowhere performance is another thing we'll talk about this morning here on Home and Home. I asked a, 
our millennials, our producer crew here. What's a more out-of-nowhere performance in NFL history, baseball, basketball? Not many names have come up. Look, again, Raheem Mostert's had a good year, but no one could have expected this type of performance. One has come up. Jordan tells us about the Jonas Gray game for the New England Patriots, one of the all-time random performances, 201 yards, four touchdowns for Bill Belichick, and we never heard from Jonas Gray again. I thought, what's more out of nowhere, out of sports? Trying to think of maybe movies that we didn't expect to be successful. I thought of Slumdog Millionaire. Remember that one? Slumdog Millionaire, $15 million to make. $377 million at the box office. So out of nowhere performances. Uh, millennial Jordan Cohn scoring again. I don't even know this one. Jerome Harrison, 286 yards, three touchdowns for the Browns. I don't even remember that performance. All right. Someone who will never forget this performance, our friends, 95-7 the game in the Bay Area. Let's listen to the celebration. Joe Shasky cannot have a voice this morning. We're going to Miami. We're taking on the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, get ready, baby. Niner fans showed out. It was a celebration. Little John got me crunk at halftime. And the next thing I know, Uncle Sherman, just like he did in 2013, and somebody season on an interception, inject all of this into my veins. I can't believe we're here. Who would have thought we drafted number two overall, B, and now we're going to Miami, Miami. for the Super Bowl. Miami. Oh, man, what a game, dude, man. This this team is the whole package, bro. We got the defense. We got the run game. When Jimmy G needs to step up, he steps up. Man, this was so this was so great. This is you know, the whole team effort. Beautiful. Bonte, I remember listening to you, uh, the BS&G, man, halfway through the season, talking about if we were going to make it in Miami. We are like, yeah, we, you know, let's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But, man, this team just has shown it the whole season. They got it. They got what it takes to make it. That's it, Butch. The fan base is settling, settling for 500 football. They're settling for seven wins. That's how far south this franchise has gone. And I said, this has got to change. The goalposts got to change. It's a standard here in San Francisco. We talk about Jimmy Garoppolo played up to the standard of Steve Young, Joe Montana, Jeff Garcia, Kaepernick. There's a standard here with football. Man, B, I'm lit, dog. You know, I was hitting you on uh, Twitter, man, letting you know we got this, man. I'm so lit right now. Man, did you see that defense out here, man? Treacherous, man. We the best in the league with it. I swear, I swear both are the best dude in the rookie of the year, man. Give it to him right now. I'm so lit right now. That's 95.7 The Game, our radio.com affiliate out there on the left coast. Check them out on the radio.com app. Remarkable performance. Joe Shasky, the butcher boy, if he has a voice left, will join us later in the program to take a bow. But Ross Tucker, do you have an out-of-nowhere, out-of-the-blue dominant performance that comes to mind that even compares to Raheem Mostert? Well, the one that I thought of was... uh... You know, Timmy Smith in the Super Bowl against your beloved Broncos. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know Thank what I mean? You. For the Redskins yeah. at the end of the, what was that, the 87 season. Uh, yeah. Timmy Smith came out of nowhere to rush for over 200 yards, several touchdowns. And then I don't know if he was ever heard of again. I mean, and I think the Broncos had like a 10 nothing lead in that game 
lost like 42-10 if memory serves. And Timmy Smith ran all over them behind the hogs. That was the one that kind of jumped out to me was Timmy Smith with the Redskins. Believe me, that came to mind when I thought about this question. I was hoping no one would bring it up. Because as a Bronco fan, it is one of my more painful memories burned into my mind that I've tried to forget for decades and will never forget Timmy Smith shredding the Denver Broncos, essentially never being heard from before or ever again. I think, quite frankly, and I hate to admit this, that actually tops what Raheem Mostert did yesterday because of never being heard from before or again, we will hear from Raheem Mostert again. He's a guy that clearly ascends to the lead running back role. Now, not just because of the Tevin Coleman injury, but because he's the most talented guy. And that's something Joe Shasky, and credit to the butcher boy, has been talking about for at least 10 weeks. When he joined us early in the season, he felt that was the most talented running back on the roster. Let's get into the championship games with our good friend Gus Ferrat, played 15 years in the league and a Pro Bowl quarterback. You want to listen to him, huddle up with Gus on the radio.com app. Gus, good morning to you. Thank you for being with us on this Monday. Uh, don't worry. I know you thought we might be dressed in ties and suits. That will never happen here on this program. Hawaiian shirts paying tribute to Big Andy Reid. Question. Uh, we asked on our Twitter feed at RDC Home and Home, most impressive performance on Sunday, Raheem Mostert or Patrick Mahomes? Who you got? Um, I think it's uh, Patrick Mahomes. I think that he just continues to show how good he is week in and week out when he knows it's man-to-man and all of a sudden they play zone and he runs for a first down. I mean, the kid has talent, uh, unlike a lot of other people in the NFL, and I think he's just doing an outstanding job of leading the team. Uh, when they're down, there's no panic. Hey, let's just go out and do what we do. And he's got so many playmakers, and he knows how to get all of them the ball. You know, Gus, I'm, I'm curious, since you played 15 years at quarterback in particular, you know, over the last 10 years or so, I have said that I feel like Aaron Rodgers is the most gifted quarterback I've ever seen when you combine – the arm, the mobility, the ability to throw on the move, all of those things, the pinpoint accuracy. But it almost feels like Mahomes might even be better, and he might be the most gifted quarterback I've ever seen. Are you ready to go there with Mahomes? And if not, what guys come to mind for you in terms of most gifted quarterbacks we've ever seen? Well, I think Patrick is definitely up there. Uh, and, you know, Aaron just has the experience over him. Obviously, Aaron's been to the Super Bowl and 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 done a lot of those things. Uh, you saw last night the stat that he's thrown the most touchdowns of any Green Bay Packer in the playoffs. Uh, he has the numbers to go with his uh, incredible ability that he has on the field. Um, I think Patrick just brings a lot of different things to the table than Aaron. I think uh, you see a, um, a kind of different attitude out there with with Patrick I think you saw that in the games uh, Patrick's out there leading his team having a lot of fun and uh, really um, you know when you, when you look at uh, uh, Aaron he was just kind of into himself I don't know I don't know how else to explain it and I really wanted him to get out there and be more not a cheerleader but just be more of that vocal that I think his team really needed 
Yeah, elaborate that, because Ross talked about that earlier in the program. He questions the leadership skills, and many have questioned the leadership skills of Aaron Rodgers. Is he the right kind of leader for that position for the moment? Um, He's the kind of leader that uh, you've got to put some other people around him. I'll tell you a quick story when I played with Mark Bolger, which Mark was a great quarterback. And, uh, you know, he came into a situation at the Rams behind Kurt Warner and had some incredible players in the huddle with him. So he didn't really have to do much as far as being a leader. He just had to go out and make the throws and get the ball to the playmakers. Um, And then as those guys started to dwindle off um, and leave the team, you know, one of the things I always talked to Mark about was you got to be more of a leader. You got to be the guy out there that's running the show. You got to tell everybody what to do. And if somebody's not doing their job, you got to get in, get on them a little bit. It just that's, just wasn't in Mark's cards, right? And that's not what he felt like he he was best at. But sometimes when you're a leader, it's not just leading your offensive huddle, but it's leading the whole team, especially when you're a high-profile guy as Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, I don't see him talking to the defense. I didn't see him a lot talking to the linemen, even though there may have been a little bit of that. But when you watch Patrick Mahomes, he's out there and he's encouraging everyone. He's doing a great job. And that little difference can make a key to a win and a loss. So what was the defining moment for the Kansas City Chiefs in this amazing run. Was it that Mahomes run yesterday, 23 seconds on the clock? Was it a play from Kelsey or Tyreek or that beauty to Sammy Watkins yesterday? Or was it a fan leaving two weeks ago in Kansas City, Chiefs down 21 to zip, and that fan had paid $250 for a ticket. He loved his team so much, he left the game. Listen. All right, I'm out of here. I'm out of here so we get the second half comeback going. Hopefully. Can't do it. Gotta leave, man. It's the only hope. <laughs> it might be true, man. Shit. I just don't know anymore, man. But yeah, I'm heading out. The watch is on Yahoo Sports on my phone. And then when I get to the crib, I'm watching the crib too, see what happens. So we gotta, gotta, gotta come back somehow. We gotta come, come back somehow. So I'm out. Y'all enjoy the rest of this game. What would you do for your team to win? Would you be willing to walk out to propel your team to victory? Well, that answer was yes for Charles Penn. Big Buck Chuck, as they call him, who joins us on Home and Home on a Monday. Congratulations to you, Charles. Super Bowl bound, baby. We'll get into what happened yesterday, but just take your victory lap. How psyched are you? First Super Bowl for the Chiefs in 50 years. Um, it's a great feeling right now. Uh, we've been well overdue, I say, for the past few years. And just to finally have that moment was truly special. And just for me to <laughs> just for me to have all this attention all of a sudden, just off the video that was meant for like a small group of people, it's crazy. But um, I'm taking in every bit, every moment, soaking it all in. And um, I appreciate you guys for having me on today. All right, so Chuck, did you go to the game yesterday? And when they were down ten nothing or seventeen seven, did you leave? Um, I did not go to the game at all yesterday because I already told Chiefs fans in advance that if we played the Titans at all in the playoffs, I was not going to show up because I was still scarred from the wild card game a few years ago when they came back on us. So you you were though at the pregame at the tailgate. I'm fairly certain I saw Jeff Darlington interview you there, right? Uh, yes, uh, yes. He uh, he invited me to come out at least for that. So you know, ESPN made a call. I can't turn that down. So I decided to ruffle some feathers a little bit, but 
our, my intentions were still pure the entire time. I had no thoughts of going to the stadium at all. All right, so I want to go back to the divisional round game against the Texans. Dave said you paid 250 bucks. You're there. You're a diehard Chiefs fan. What compelled you to leave at that point? Was it a lack of faith in the Chiefs, or did you really think you leaving would make a difference? I still, I still believe that the Chiefs will win the game, but I was just desperate at that point, just because, just because of um, all my, because just because of what some of my friends have said in the past, dating back to 2013, when me and three of my friends we watched the Chiefs Coast game together, and everybody knows that from that game. At the worst, they told me that I can no longer, no longer watch the Chiefs game with them, and that I should not go to another Chiefs game. Period. And I was just thinking about those moments where I've been to playoff games and I'm over three. And at that point, I was just willing to do anything. Now, I can't take full credit, but I just I was just hoping to help in any kind of way at that point. So I made the executive decision, and that's why I posted the video just to let everybody know that I'm not lying, I'm not messing around. The Chiefs got to get this win, so I was willing to do anything. Talking to Chiefs fan Charles Penn, whose gear says bad luck, Chuck, who left the Chiefs game two weeks ago with his team down 21 to zip. We all know the the history of that. Chuck obviously compelled them to win. How did that moment change your life? I know that Patrick Mahomes tweeted at you. Numerous affiliates from around the country interviewed you and, and head and shoulders tweeted that they were going to hook you up with the ultimate game day package. If you could talk a little bit about how leaving a game changed your life. Uh, it's, it's changed my life in so many ways, you know, it's still kind of an adjustment period, but you know, I'm trying to get used to all of this, man. Um, just taking it day by day, but, uh, but I like to thank head and shoulders and Jack stack for throwing the ultimate watch party for me yesterday. Uh, me my family and my friends, we had a great time. Um, uh, especially, you know, since the chiefs won and finally put their trip to the Super Bowl, uh, made it a lot sweeter. So Chuck, here's my question. What's the coolest thing that's happened since since you left the game? Out of all the stuff you've gotten or media things you've done, what's been the coolest part? Growing up as a kid, you know, I taught myself, like, it's sports didn't work out. You know, if I didn't uh, become, like, professional, I guess, like, professional basketball player, for example, because I grew up uh, wanting to be Michael Jordan, you know, like a lot of kids growing up. Um, I told myself that I wanted to be on SportsCenter one day and just watching like the old ESPN cast, like Stuart Scott and Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen and Charlie Steiner, etc. Um, I always wanted to get on that stage. So when SportsCenter had called me and they had told me I was going to be on doing a segment with Jay Harris, you know, it was sweet, man. Like that's my number one for me for right now. And that's something I will not forget for the rest of my life. So my last one for you has been the reaction that you've gotten, Chuck. Has it been all positive, or has there been anything negative from Chiefs fans that feel like you sold out or, you know, that you left, you shouldn't have done that, or has it been all positive? Well, I expected it to not be all positive. You know, everybody, you know, when they um, do something viral or, or whenever they become successful in their own field, like, there is going to be a small group of haters, and that comes with the territory. So I already knew that coming. Um, it's mostly been positive, you know. It's just that I knew there's going to be, like, a few small group of haters here and there in the comments or whatever, but that is not basically one bit. So I take all 
criticism, you know, all congrats and everything. So I've just been humble throughout the entire process and I'm just thankful and, and blessed for everything. You know, I just want to thank Chiefs Kingdom for, you know, supporting me in every which way possible. If there's one downside to Patrick Mahomes, and maybe it's not a downside, maybe you love it. Maybe you celebrate it. Maybe this is exactly what you want from a significant other or a girlfriend. His girlfriend, Brittany Matthews, has, well, she's made some headlines throughout the Chiefs' run, and in particular on social media. She is a very vocal supporter of the Kansas City Chiefs and of her man, Patrick Mahomes. Listen to Brittany Matthews celebrate the Chiefs' victory. That's Brittany Matthews, Patrick Mahomes' girl. They've known each other since high school, dated since the 10th grade. Ross, you played in the NFL a number of years. If you're Patrick Mahomes in that moment, do you want that? Do you want your girlfriend that type of vocal, in-your-face, bitter, angry supporter? Or do you just want her to kind of slip out the exit, stay off of social media, keep the focus on what happened on the football field? Uh, yeah, now here's my question. We, I just heard the audio of this. I wasn't, yeah. you know, I didn't, this is just stuff she posted to her social media. Yeah. Okay. So she put this on like Instagram or something after the game. Yeah. She wants this out there. Yeah. So I got a couple of concerns. Okay. Number one, it's, and it's a little bit surprising, Dave, because you and I have talked before that there's usually a difference between the significant others that professional athletes met after they were professional athletes versus the ones from high school or maybe even college. There's usually a stark contrast between the two. She mm -hmm. sounds, and with the attention, seems more like a post-professional athlete significant other than a pre-professional athlete significant other. Um, I would not want my significant other to want or crave attention like that. Uh, I wouldn't desire that. I'm not saying it's a negative. I mean, Patrick's obviously okay with it. And look, if I loved her, that would be great. That, if that's what she wanted to do, that's who she wanted to be, that's great. But my wife would never be like that. My wife shies away from any type of attention or spotlight or anything like that. And I like that about her. So um, I, I think that's that's a positive for my wife. And I'm glad she's not like that. And I also, my wife would never be that vocal that we did it, the haters, it didn't. Th like That's just not her style. And... I am glad it's not her style. And I'm sure I've actually met, what's her name, Brittany? Yes. Yeah, I've actually met her once, and she seemed nice enough. But, yeah, that would not be, uh, that would not be my choice if I could pick. 
That would not be my choice, but I get it. I am not a creature of social media. I am reluctantly posting on social media. I wasn't born of that age, and I try to generally stay off of it in terms of being loud, being vocal, being in your face. But this is the way it is today, and this works for her. 251,000 Instagram followers at Brittany Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E. So it works for her. No, it would certainly not work for me as a professional athlete or nor me as a broadcaster. But this is how we do it today. This is the social media agent. It is clearly rocking for Brittany Matthews. All right, let's check in with our friends, Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City as we continue the radio.com red zone. What does the celebration sound like? when your team is headed to the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years since 1969. Lovely. Just lovely. That one makes you get up out of your seat. And I tell you what, I knew the game was over after that point. I'm not talking about like, hey, in hindsight, that was the point where the Chiefs took control of the game, right? It felt like it. I'm talking about I knew at that moment in time the Chiefs were winning the game. That was really, to me, the moment that any curses of Chiefs' losses passed were really lifted. I'm a 45-year-old man. I cried. I literally cried, and I'm proud to say that I cried. That's right. I've been waiting 35 years for this night. Do you hear me? Yes. Do you hear me? 35 years, man, and I cried because this is, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. Patrick Mahomes was not only good enough to end all of the the curse, whatever you want to call it, of Lynn Elliott, 38 to 10, the no punk game, but he's good enough to end it by winning two games in the playoff run here by a combined 31 points. Where he was trailing in both of them by multiple scores. Exactly. Man, like that's how good this kid is. Uh, My dad took me to the first playoff game in, uh, what, 96 when Lynn Elliott missed a field goal. Lost that game. Yeah. Uh, I've been a Chiefs fan my whole life. I appreciate the fact that my dad made me a Chiefs fan, even through the ups and downs. Tonight is one of the best nights ever. Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City on the radio.com red zone. Russ, where is the fire? Where is the passion? Where is the Brittany Matthews from Chiefs fans? Uh, you know what? It, it's almost like a sense of relief. And I can appreciate that, Dave. I mean, 50 years since they've been to a Super Bowl, I think people are, it's, and I think they probably were nervous, especially the way that game started, that the Chiefs might blow it at home in a critical playoff game yet again, like they've done so many times over the years. Dick Vermeil, Marty Schottenheimer, and even Andy Reid. The, uh, the last few years, I think that they, they've, they've had their hearts broken so many times, Dave, that it was almost just like a relief, like, uh, thank goodness we did it. We're going. I'm so happy. But they weren't all riled up because it's almost like they were emotionally spent. They didn't have it in them. Hop on 95.7 the game right now because I'm running over to the Hilton. Let's go, baby. Bang, bang, 98. Woo! Woo! Let's go! 
Joe Shasky, 95-7 the game in the Bay Area. It's a Monday home and home. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out, ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R, the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs in Connecticut. Ross Tucker back home, red-eye Ross, in Philadelphia this morning after he was on the sideline for that Niners punch in the face to the Packers. Joe Shasky joining us bright and early on the left coast. Shasky Congratulations, brother. How you feeling? Do you have any voice left after that epic celebration? I was just an awesome day. So I feel so happy for so many 49er fans I know. You know, they fell in love with their team again this year. And I think at sports at its core is about family. When Eddie DeBartolo was running this team, you know, all the Niner greats would talk about how this was family. And I think Kyle Shanahan getting the trophy from his dad and Jed having the wherewithal and just the understanding of, you know, this is their moment. Let me back out of the way. It was just family, man. It was awesome. I got to celebrate with my family. I got to watch the Shanahan family celebrating. And then the 49er family, all the fans, everybody got to celebrate. It was an absolute dismantling. Raheem Mostert, I mean, what a story of perseverance. If he doesn't define what football is, bouncing around to so many different teams, I mean, it's just incredible. And then here, guys, like on its on its most Basic level, Richard Sherman ended this organization six years ago with an interception, okay? Ended them. Richard Sherman, at home, in a new stadium that everybody claimed they hated, picked off Aaron Rodgers, the guy you passed on 15 years ago in the draft, to seal a Super Bowl victory, or excuse me, appearance, for Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan's son, for the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl. It's just, my mind is blown, guys. You know, I'm, I'm curious, Joe, how does this compare to 2012, seven years ago, when the Niners punched their ticket for the Super Bowl? Well, you know, in 2012, you got to understand that 2011, they had such an awesome year. It was a Cinderella season, but it fell short. They lost in the NFC Championship game to the New York Giants. So 2012 felt like, oh, this is unfinished business. They have to cash in on this. You know, the window's starting to get smaller. So when they didn't win the Super Bowl that year, it was a gut blow. Um, we were happy to go to the Super Bowl, but it wasn't, it wasn't as organic as this one is. I honestly say this. With all sincerity, this is my favorite 49er team ever. Uh, I just it came out of nowhere. They were four and twelve last year. They drafted number two overall. This quarterback hasn't played a full season in the NFL. There were people out here, myself included, questioning the head coach, questioning the owner, questioning the GM, John Lynch. Like you, you could poke holes in everything. Richard Sherman coming off an Achilles. Really? He's gonna be the anchor of this defense. Nick Bosa didn't even play in college. You're gonna take him number two overall. We had people out here saying they should. It took Quinn and Williams for crying out loud. And then just all the teams in the NFC before the season started, like the Niners were like the seventh or eighth. And that's if you're being optimistic, seventh or eighth team that you would have thought of. Like, you know, maybe they sneak in in the wild card if everything falls right. This is the most crazy, my favorite all-time 49er team. I don't care how it ends. It's just been so improbable. And I love every single guy on the team, man. It's I can say that with all my heart. Like This is one of my favorite stories in sports that I've ever seen in my life. Giants, Warriors, Niners. I've never seen anything like this. Niners trying to win their first Super Bowl in 25 years on the 100th year of NFL football. Talking to the butcher boy, Joe Shasky, 95-7, the Bay Area. Have to give you credit. I don't know what week it was, but very early in the season, you were on this program saying, listen, Raheem Mostert 
is the best running back on this team. Stop giving the ball to Coleman. Stop giving it to Breida. Zero in on Raheem Mostert. And when you talk about this as one of the great stories in sports today, I agree when I hear Mostert talk post-game yesterday about his iPhone. In his iPhone, he has all the teams that cut him and when they cut him. He talked about a post-game, which I absolutely love. I love that a guy that embraces his failure, and that fuels him. How do you explain, though, a guy that had 297 yards career coming into this game, going for 220 and four touchdowns? Is it him, or is it this Kyle Shanahan system? Uh, it's like, what do they call it? The Venn diagram. It's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, Yoda said in The Last Jedi, failure is the greatest teacher. And I couldn't agree more. You know, I'm somebody that got into media. I have no high school uh, diploma. I have no college education. I have nothing. And I failed my entire life. And I just kept grinding and working my ass off to get onto the radio. And I've been very lucky and I've seized my opportunities. Raheem Mostert is the everyman. I mean, we all get fired. We all get kicked in the nuts by life. And I love the fact that he references is the chip on his shoulder, reading all the teams that passed on him. Absolutely, this is a testament to his dedication, but it's also a testament simultaneously of the Shanahan system. Not just Mike, we know what he did in Denver, but look at what Kyle's done with Alfred Morris, with all the random running backs that he had at the Houston Texans. Look what he did for Atlanta. Look what he's done here. Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert. Whenever your number is called, this guy knows to dial up plays that fit exactly what you do best. This guy, Raheem Mostert, has the juice, has the wiggle, the vision, the feet, the toughness, and then he has the turbo button. When he gets to the outside, it looks like every time a safety is trying to close out on him, it's like, well, they took a bad route. This guy's gone. He's going to take it to the house. I turned to my buddy Rockall, sitting in the end zone. I have that all 22 view, and I said, this guy's going to run for 200 yards today if Shanahan wants to pound the ball. And credit to Kyle Shanahan for realizing, I don't have to throw the ball. I mean, how many coaches want to get cute and throw the ball? How many quarterbacks want to get, you know, egotistic and say, hey, I'm going to check into a throw because I need to get my stats up? How many guys like George Kittle, Jimmy Graham, for example, on the other side of the ball would be complaining that they're blocking that much? This team is about family and about the big picture. And it starts with Kyle Shanahan, but Raheem Moser embodies everything about this team that I love, man. And you're so right. Failure is the greatest teacher. I'm so happy for him. Him and his kid on the sidelines there at the end. I mean, that's the stuff I love about sports. You know, Joe, you said something. I had no idea. I think it's really interesting. I want to get your, I want to get some more information about it. Did you say that you did not graduate from high school, Joe? No, I didn't, man. I was, uh, <laughs> I was a bad kid. I was a bad kid growing up, and uh, you know, I bounced around, and 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 I, I found myself in a lot of trouble that I created on my own. But in many ways, I consider myself somebody who's just grinding through. That's life, right? I mean, Ross, we we all lose. You either get fired in a job, or or maybe you don't land the hot girlfriend, or you don't get the the promotion that you want. You got to just keep grinding through it, and then that's why I love football because in football, more than any other sport, I feel like you see these sport these guys who they get cut here they get cut there I mean Emmanuel Mosley nobody thought this guy was going to be an important part of the 49ers this year look at uh the, the entire team up and down the roster it's a bunch of guys 
that have been, you know, cast off to the side. My man Richard Sherman, I mean, went to Stanford as a wide receiver, turned into a cornerback because he couldn't catch the damn ball. Nobody wanted him in the draft, goes in the fifth round, and all he's done is hold this chip on his shoulder his entire life, tears his Achilles, we think his career is over, bounces with the 49ers, and then basically signs a contract that everyone in the NFL thought he was stupid for signing without an agent. Who's having the last laugh? I mean, that's it. life is about perseverance. and It's about the travels and the road that we take. And this is why I love football more than any other sport, because you don't see this in the NBA. You don't see a Raheem Mostert in Major League Baseball. It's just, nope. man, football's so special. Ross, you know this. How many guys have the Raheem Mostert story? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It was uh, so fun to interview him right after the game. I love his story. I love Kittle's story. Um, so many of these guys, Kyle Juszczyk has a different story and it, it, they're a very likable team. There is no question. I am curious though, uh, about Garoppolo and what you think about him and how Kyle Shanahan has used him the last couple weeks. How much of it, Joe is concerns about Garoppolo and how much of it's just, Hey, we're running the ball down their throat. Let's just keep doing it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, and I think it's fair to, to question, you know, how good is Garoppolo? Can he throw this team into victories? I would say this. Go back to that New Orleans game. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo went toe-to-toe with Drew Brees. I mean, Drew Brees is an all-time great. Has he won a Super Bowl in the last 10 years? No, but he's still one of the all-time great players, and Jimmy Garoppolo went toe-to-toe with that guy from the pocket. From my eyes, sitting in the stands, he's the best 49er quarterback from the pocket, delivering the ball down the field, intermediate, deep throws, you name it, touch, moxie, anticipation, all the attributes you need, and the toughness. He's the toughest guy I've seen since Steve Young. And I don't say that without uh, great reverence for who Steve Young was uh, in the pantheon of the NFL. Jimmy Garoppolo, it, he's a very interesting guy in the terms of Kyle doesn't ask him to do stuff that he he doesn't need to do. And I think that that's the growth from the head coach. Last year, he got real cute and wanted to prove, hey, I can make Nick Mullins a quarterback. I can make C.J. Beathard throw the ball. And they lost a lot of close games down the stretch, even when Jimmy got hurt, that they should have won. This year, I'm super conservative as a fan. I'm like, run the ball. You're getting three, four yards. And I love that the coach understands I don't have to show how smart I am. If we're dictating our will to that defensive line on the other side of the ball, my defense is on the sideline allowing themselves to catch their breath, and that Hall of Fame quarterback Aaron Rodgers isn't touching it. I mean, isn't that the smart play? Why would you throw the ball if you don't have to? Now, that being said, they're going to have to throw the ball against Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's kind of the beauty of this Super Bowl. I mean, you're going to get to see if Garoppolo can actually do it. And I've got faith that the guy can do it. I mean, look, guys, this is his first full season. I've seen like two to three years of growth from Jimmy Garoppolo in an 18-game span. So I still think he's got a long way to go, but I love what he's done so far. And I have a feeling he's going to impress some people in the Super Bowl. Hey everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.